Welcome tonight to the Lord's house. We're glad that you have made the effort to come as we want to worship the Lord with our hearts and our minds. Number 243, we're going to begin with tonight, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Tune My Heart to Sing Thy Grace. We'll stand pleased to sing. Let's bow before the Lord, please, now as we commit our evening service to Him in prayer. Father, we rejoice tonight again for the great privilege we have of being in Your house, the Lord's Day evening. And we come, Father, to lift our hearts, our song, our praise. We lift our Ebenezer heavenward, saying, Hitherto has the Lord helped us. And we can trace, Father, Your providential hand through the seasons of our lives. And we can say with all our hearts, we have been guided unmistakably by a sovereign and divine hand. And Lord, You overrule in our lives where even we have messed up. And Lord, You have put us back on our feet again and set us on our way rejoicing. We know, Lord, the journey may not be easy, but with our Savior, in the vessel of our lives, we are able to look at the storm and go forward confidently knowing that we are held in Your sovereign hand. Lord, encourage us tonight, we pray. Receive the worship of our hearts. We're thankful for everyone gathered in person and online. Father, meet every soul at the very place and point of our need. I ask, Lord, that we would be built up in our most holy faith, 
We want, Father, to walk humbly, to walk with integrity, to walk as men and women of faith. And, O God, that we will know the purpose that You have for us in our lives, and we will lay hold upon that and live each day in the light of Your divine purpose. Father, hear our prayer today. We don't want to put in time. We don't want to waste our lives. We want our lives to be a difference and to make a difference for the kingdom of Christ. And Lord, we are saying tonight, we dedicate ourselves again. We say, Lord, please come and make use of us, every single believer. Father, we pray for our families, and we're asking for household salvation. We're praying that sons and daughters, perhaps some have strayed away. Oh, Lord, put the hook in their jaw, draw them spiritually back to Yourself again, and save our unsaved loved ones. And dear Father, we pray tonight for those that are dear and near to us, but they are not well, they are sick, they suffer sometimes much bodily weakness and illness. Father, come very specifically to their need and help them tonight. And together may we as a congregation of people be unified in the gospel, in the bond of peace. Do not let any disagreement or root of bitterness get settled down in any one of our hearts. Lord, keep our eyes looking heavenward and Christward, and help us always to do that which is pleasing and honoring in Your sight, putting others, Father, before ourselves. Jesus first, ourselves, ourselves last. Lord, hear this prayer we ask tonight. Pour out your blessing on each one of us, and give us, we pray, a sense of great peace and the joy in the Lord. Help us, we pray, in our nation, our land. We have great need of an awakening, of a reviving by your powerful Spirit. And Lord, we ask to bless our churches, those immediately associated with us, and those not of our denomination, but they love Christ and they are wanting to serve. We pray Your blessing upon all those who are faithful to Christ. Remember our missionaries tonight. Remember those who are serving in far-off places. Remember the work in the Czech Republic. We pray for the Schultz family. Very happy to hear the news of what has been do happening there and how you've been moving. Lord, bless them abundantly. Encourage them in their hearts. Remember the work in Liberia. Remember, O oh God, the work in Mexico City, Dominican Republic, Jamaica, all of these fronts. We think, too, of the brigs in the Ivory Coast as they're preparing to go again to deliver Bibles and printed material. Lord, go in front of them. Keep them safe. May those pieces of literature and the Word of God in print, may it be a blessing to the Laron people and encourage them in the gospel. So, Father, be with us now tonight and bless us abundantly. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Number 525, and we'll stand again to sing, please, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen. 
Turn, please, with me in your Bibles tonight to the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 22. The book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 22. Sometimes when you come to the book of 1 Chronicles in your daily reading, and you get to those first chapters, and my, it's a little bit of heavy going because there are chapters and chapters of names. And someone asked me the other day, do people actually read those names in their devotions? And I said, well, I, uh, I don't know if they do or not. Perhaps they do a little bit of a brief overview and skip on to the next chapter. I'm not just so sure, but there are some hidden nuggets as there is in First Chronicles chapter 4, you have the account of Jabez, and if you miss reading about what happened in his life, you will miss a blessing. Nonetheless, there are certainly great mercies the Lord shows us, and the book of Chronicles, first and second, well, they give accounts of the kings of Israel and Judah, and they give a different aspect or a different vantage point uh, from what we have in the more historical context of kings. So we're reading from 1 Chronicles 22, and starting at verse 17 down to 19, and then moving over to another chapter. David also commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And hath he not given you rest on every side? For he hath given the inhabitants of the land into mine hand. And the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Arise therefore and build ye the sanctuary of the Lord God to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built to the name of the Lord. And then please over to chapter 29. And verse 6, Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly and gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents 10,000 drams, and of silver 10,000 talents, and of brass 18,000 talents, and 100,000 talents of iron. And they, with whom the precious stones were found, gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly 
because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. May God bless his precious word to us. And as you can see already, there are great nuggets and verses that have great spiritual application found. That should not surprise us in every corner of the Scripture, and that which should be that to encourage our hearts in our own Christian walk. I trust the Lord will bless His Word to you and encourage you tonight. Welcome to our evening service. We're very happy that you are here in person. And I didn't mention this morning, but it was good to see the Delina family back with us. We know that they have been under the weather a little bit the last little while, and so it's good to see them back again, different people having different issues. And uh, George and Linda, uh, they're off as well. They contracted COVID about a week ago, but uh, they've come through the worst of it and uh, just staying one more day away. And, uh, but they appreciate your prayers that the Lord would bless them. Good to see our sister Susie Fraser with us tonight in the service. You're welcome, Susie. We're happy that you're here. And any others, I might not just have your name, but you're very, very welcome. We're happy that you're in the house of the Lord. We have special meetings coming this week, and I'll say a little bit more about that in a moment. But uh, tomorrow evening, that's Monday night, well, before I get to that, after the service tonight, there will be a practice of the young people as they are preparing in their choir. And so, young people, you remember that. And there will be a brief session meeting after tonight in the counseling room. Uh, we have uh, one item of business we need to take care of, and so uh, please stay behind for that. Monday night is uh, planned to be uh, a work night. Now, I heard that it's supposed to be raining tomorrow. Let's hope all the rain gets cleared up in through the day and we won't be stalled out tomorrow again. But not only will there be an outside cleanup, uh, getting ready for our special services this coming Friday and the weekend, uh, but also there will be cleaning taking place inside the church. And so this has a double purpose because not only will the ladies be able to get at some areas of the church that, well, the corners, you know what it's like in the home. Well, it's no different in the Lord's house where the cobwebs seem to gather, and we want to get those things taken care of. So ladies, you'll be working on the inside tomorrow night, if at all possible, 6 p.m. And also they're going to be setting up in the basement for our Saturday international dinner. But I've rushed ahead a little bit because that's Friday night. We have special meetings with Reverend Ryan McKee. He'll be arriving Thursday in the will of God. And Friday night at 7 p.m., we have a special service. We want to encourage everyone to come. There will be light refreshments after that meeting on Friday. Then on Saturday, 5 o'clock for our dinner. Come in good time. And when you're bringing hot dishes, please bring them table ready the best you can, and there, our ovens are small. There will be a warming capability, but no cooking capability at all for this coming Saturday. It's an international dinner, and we've been wanting to have one of these for a long time. So we're looking forward to a good variety of dishes that are related to whatever culture you come from. Just make sure there's lots of it. That's important uh, because we all have good appetites. There will be no other meetings this week because of that. So we've decided, the session decided to 
and not have our prayer meeting Wednesday night or the gym fellowship on Friday uh, because we want to not tire everyone out, but be sure that you're all in good form and ready to be here on uh, Friday evening. I don't know if when you came in the church tonight you smelled something a bit skunkish. Well, I will tell you, when I came back after lunch today and I opened the front door of the church and came in, it was pungent. It was very strong, and I thought to myself, oh no, not again. If you've been in our church for any time, you'll know that we have waged war over the last couple of years, at least the pastor has, with skunks that were burrowing outside this door here, getting underneath the, the concrete uh, cement pad, and well, it was just hard to get them out, and one by one we got them out. And um, so I, the score was 10 nothing. Well, 10-1 actually, because one of them sprayed me when I, I did have it in a cage and took it away. It was a little one, and the cage, you know, is supposed to stop their tails from lifting up so they can't spray. But this one was small enough that it got its tail up somehow, and it sprayed all over my shoes, and I had my, my, the bottom of my trousers. I had to throw them all out. There was, no, there was no salvaging of them at all. Anyways, we've been free from them for a while, and then, of course, our foxes that we have, we have a whole... Well, a whole bunch of them are out under the portables, but they've been doing a great job of cleanup in our whole school property and the church grounds. We have not seen a skunk around for ages. Well, we, well, we see bits of them actually around the, the property, but, uh, but anyways, I went outside after lunch through that door, wondering where is this, the, the smell? I couldn't figure it out. And then I came back in, it seemed to be getting worse. So I went outside again. And right on the, on the front porch, almost at the threshold of the door, right outside, uh, where was it? Outside the back, just over there. There was a skunk in pieces. It was a mess. And the foxes must have got at it sometime. But it, it had to have happened at lunchtime or after the morning service. Because where it was located was right by the air intake of the building. So it's uh, sucking all the air in to cool the church and it was bringing everything else with it. So I had to put on my overalls this afternoon because I couldn't leave the thing out there, get a plastic bag, shovel the thing in. It was a mess, I'll tell you. And um, anyways, I put a gallon of bleach all over the sidewalk and everything else and, so, and opened the door. So it's not bad now. And it's just uh, it's, it's one of those situations we just have to try to do our best to take care of. But uh, So I don't know if I can count that one on my score. That would be 11 to 1. I'm not sure, but we'll just take it as it comes. want to encourage you all and uh, thank you so much for uh, your prayers, for the work of God here, and for the good support getting our Sunday school back going, the second Lord's Day morning for our Sunday school. I appreciate uh, Brother Diderno. He took the adult Bible class. He's working as he got the assignment to come through the minor prophets, carrying off where Mr. Fraser was working, and uh, he's going to be working through that probably up till uh, Christmas time anyways. So do remember our brother and his dear wife Clarissa in your prayers and their little son Franco, that the Lord would bless them abundantly as our brother is working in his internship here in the church in Toronto. So encourage him, let him know you're praying for him, and I think that would be a great blessing to him as well. And tonight, uh, Brother Simon and his family, they are in Port Hope taking the services there, and uh, so I know that they would encourage, appreciate your prayers 
he would. He's going to be there tonight and also next Lord's Day evening as well. This is because Brother Cranston is taking a few Lord's Days off uh, to get a bit of a holiday and a break. So please remember that in prayer. At the end, at the conclusion of our service tonight, I want to minister in song to the congregation with uh, the Lord's Prayer. And I will tell you more details about that later, but today, September the 18th, is the anniversary of the passing of my dad, right on this day. It was 2011, 11 years ago. It's hard to imagine it was that long, but I'll tell you a few more details. So we'll be singing a closing hymn in the, in the church tonight, and then uh, don't go away because we'll minister in song just after that. Let's sing again now to the Lord's praise. And number nine, Jesus, thou joy of loving hearts. Remaining seated, please, while we sing.
Please turn now in your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 8. First Kings chapter 8, we'll read the first 11 verses. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king Solomon at the feast in the month Ethanim, which is, in, which is the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the priest took up the ark. And they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tabernacle of the congregation, and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle, even those did the priests and the Levites bring up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be told nor numbered for multitude. And the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place, into the oracle of the house, to the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread forth their two wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above. And they drew out the staves, that the ends of the staves were seen out in the holy place before the oracle, and they were not seen without. And there, and there they are unto this day. There was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone which Moses put there at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. We'll bow, please, for prayer. Father, as we come now tonight to Thy holy Word, we pray that our hearts would be open to receive the truth. Lord, we pray for the reinforcement of things that we know things we have been taught, 
doctrines that we have learned from many years ago, but we know, Father, that when they are brought afresh to our hearts, to our minds, to our lives, then we will be growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is our desire. We pray that we will be used to magnify our Lord Jesus. Father, if there are any unsaved here tonight, watching online, bless them with salvation. Open every heart, we pray, and make use of us, Lord. We want to be signposts, directing people to the Savior. And Lord, in order for us to be those God-directed individuals, we need to be Spirit-filled individuals. And I pray that we will know this every day of our lives. So hear us now. Bless us, we ask, for Jesus' sake. Amen. I want you to think with me tonight on verse 11 of 1 Kings chapter 8, especially the last part of that verse. It says, For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Wednesday evenings in our prayer meetings and Bible study, we have begun a short series on the prayer of Solomon at the dedication of the temple. And this past Wednesday evening, I was speaking in the second part of the message and dwelling on this particular text, and one of the elders said to me afterward, he thought it would be a good message to share and to encourage the people on the Lord's day. So I took that as a word from the Lord, and that's what we're going to be doing tonight. It will be a cause for review for some of the folks who have been in our prayer meetings, but I also know that on Wednesday evenings, it's not actually that easy to pay attention. You've come from a hard day's work, and when the body sits down, it says it's time to sleep. And that's sometimes what can happen. It just It's hard to keep awake and to be attentive, and I trust that whatever you may have missed on Wednesday night, well, you might pick it up this evening. And nonetheless, the Lord would use His Word to encourage your heart. The title for the message tonight is simply this, The Glory of God Filling Our Lives. The Glory of God Filling Our Lives. And of course, the glory of God filling our lives will be the Holy Spirit of the Lord working in us and through us powerfully, and that reviving of His Spirit that we desire to know day by day. Before we get into the gist of this verse, we must back up a little bit in order to understand and get a grasp of the background that was happening. It was very tumultuous. It, it was not a smooth transition from David unto Solomon to be king because the devil was much at work. And he was at work in David's family, 
He was at work using another of the sons of David in order to reach in and cause a situation where the transition from David to the next king, it would not be given by David, but it was going to be stolen by this man called Adonijah. Adonijah was the brother of Absalom, and they seemed to be of the same ilk. Because Absalom, we know from history what he attempted to do in taking over the throne from David. Psalm 63 in our study that we just completed in the Wednesday night prayer meeting, well, we notice there how that that psalm was the heart burden and cry of David as he had fled from Jerusalem because of the, well, insurrection brought on by Absalom. And yet how that turned, by God's purposes, of course, and Absalom fled, and he was caught by his hair in the trees, and Joab saw the end of him. So Adonijah, the brother of Absalom, he realized that now his opportunity to strike was there because David, we are told, was old, he was weak, he was not able to get heat in his body because of his age, and so now it seemed he was not even coherent. And Adonijah made a coup. He went and joined up forces with Joab, who was the captain of the army, a bloodthirsty man, and David feared Joab because of his murderous activities outside of the war zone in order to make sure that he would be number one in the army of Israel, Joab went about to do his evil work. Well, Joab now saw the opportunity to be the leader in the next king that was going to come along, and so he joined himself with Adonijah, but also Abiathar the priest, who was joint priest with Zadok. And as Adonijah got together with Joab and Abiathar. These three guys were together, and they called a great gathering of the people to go down to the place called Gihon, and he was anointed king. But it wasn't the anointment that had come from God. It was that which was man-centered, man-imposed, indeed satanically imposed, because don't forget that Satan is all along trying to interrupt what? Well, interrupt the work of God, the people of God, but he was intent on interrupting the line of Messiah. And so, when he was about his evil work, Adonijah, that is, and they were down rejoicing, there were some people who were not invited by Adonijah to that party. Solomon was not invited. Zadok was not invited. Neither was Nathan the prophet. So you have three on one side that are going in this direction and three on the other side that are not because they're standing for the Lord and for His cause. And remember, this is the same Nathan that had rebuked David over the whole ordeal of Bathsheba. And so, Nathan knew what had taken place, 
and he knew the weakness of David, and he knew the time was now to get things done correctly. So he went and spoke to Bathsheba and said, you must go before David. You must tell him and inform him of all that's going on. Because David had promised, because the Lord had promised that Solomon was going to be king. And so David, by the strength of God, rallied himself, I'm sure sat up in his bed, and declared, yes, Solomon will be king. And he gave instructions, take the mule, the king's mule, let Solomon ride on it. Go down with Zadok the priest down to Gihon. Go down with Nathan the prophet and anoint Solomon king there. And when they did that, there was great rejoicing as they came back to Jerusalem. The people were electric realizing that God's will had been done. David, nearing the end of his life, had not left them without a light and a witness in Israel. And as soon as those who were with Adonijah heard that, they scattered. The party was over. Joab fled. Adonijah fled and went directly to the horns of the altar. That was supposed to be a place of refuge. And Solomon was then crowned king, and Adonijah was called before King Solomon. And Solomon said, if you are a righteous man, you will not die today. But Adonijah did not prove himself such a righteous man, as often wicked people don't. They get over the hump. They get over the time when they were threatened with death, and now it's all past. And Adonijah, not long after this, he went to Bathsheba and tried to get Abishag, the young woman who had been given to David to wife and to take care of him in his elderly years. He wanted her to be his wife. And then Solomon, when he found out that, he realized the great wickedness that Adonijah was up to, and he, after that, saw his end and his fate. So when Solomon was made king, and we have read in Chronicles in a couple of places, and now in Kings. There was much preparation that David had done to build the temple, but God did not allow him to build. And we emphasize this on Wednesday night, the reason behind it, and you will know well, because he was a man of war. We are told that he had conquered all the enemies of Israel. There was a time now of peace that was the beginning and would run through the entire reign almost of Solomon. All the enemies were put in their place. This was the time of peace, and Solomon's name means peace. But David was not allowed by the Lord to put his hand to this building project. Did that sadden David? Well, I'm sure initially it wasn't welcome news, but he did not become sour. As sometimes we can begin if God, or become if God doesn't allow us to do something, we get all sour and grump, grumpy. No. He then said, well, Lord, am I allowed to prepare for the temple? Absolutely. You could prepare with all your heart, and that's what David did. He prepared gold and silver and iron and gathered much resources because he knew much was going to be needed. And the Lord allowed him to do that before he died. And Solomon is now become king, and he indeed built the temple. He organized and arranged all those who would build, and God brought the right men to him. 
And so as we read, have read tonight in 1 Kings chapter 8, this is the completion of the building and now the beginning of the dedication. And so my dear friends, as we come to this tonight and look at verse 11, so much has taken place and there's so much that you and I can learn about the Spirit of God coming to fill the temple at that time. And when the Lord did that, He gave very clear indication that His blessing was upon the temple that was built because His blessing was upon the tabernacle. In Exodus chapter 40, we have the account of God filling the tabernacle, the tent that Moses had completed, and it indicated he was abiding with his people. And so again, the Lord was showing to Solomon in the place that he was now going to put his name there in Jerusalem. He was abiding with his people. And when the Spirit of the Lord came in, the work of men had to stop. And there is a tremendous blessing and benefit that we will draw from this account because what happened at the temple and what happened in the tabernacle, these things were foreshadowings of what God prophesied and promised He was going to do at the day of Pentecost. And my dear brothers and sisters, He completed that task. And when the Holy Spirit came down upon the apostles and the women at that day, 120 of them meeting in the upper room, God came down and He moved mightily. And that was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel that in the latter days, God's Spirit would be poured out upon His people. And the New Testament aspect of the church sees the wide and full and broad and global development of the Spirit's work at that time. And it's still going on today. And it will continue to go on until Christ comes back again and concludes all of human history. And we will be taken home to be with the Lord forever. But until then, the Spirit is active in our day. He is active, brother and sister, in your heart tonight. He is bearing witness that you are a child of God. He is bearing witness that you are under the power of the precious Word, and you love the Scriptures, and you want to hide God's Word in your heart. You want to obey the Word of the Lord. You want to be His servant. Yes, God's Spirit is alive and active in you, if you have been born again by the Spirit of God, if you know Christ tonight, if you love Him, then the Spirit of God is abiding in your heart. What this teaches us is that the parallel for the Christian is that our bodies now have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
God does not abide in buildings and temples and tabernacles in the same sense that we know today He abides within the lives, the spirits, the souls of His born-again people. Once in our lives we were ruled by another entity in power, weren't we? Born in sin and shaped in iniquity, We are children of Adam. We are under the curse of sin. Total depravity ruled our lives. We had no desire for God. There was no seeking after the Lord in our unsaved days. No, not at all. We we went from God. We rejected Him. But the reality that we have now been born anew And we now possess the Spirit of God. And we possess all that the Lord has set for us. In John 14, verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And listen to this. And the Father will love him, and we, we will come unto him and make our abode in him. And what a a most amazing thing. So, we know that the Spirit of God lives in the heart of a born-again believer. But do you know that Christ lives in you? That the Father lives in you? We have the Godhead of Father, Son, and Spirit. They have taken up their residence, Christian, in your life. In the temple of our bodies. This is beyond amazing. This is something that we cannot understand apart from the grace of God. Because how could the Lord come and abide in these sinful lives? The only way He could do that is if we have been transformed, we have been forgiven of our sin and cleansed from our iniquity, and the Lord comes to abide in us. And if the Lord lives in us, then His glory should shine through us. Didn't the psalmist say, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us? Is the glow of the presence of our God seen from our lives? I fear sometimes, my friends, that we have tarnished and blocked that glory shining out from us. And it's a very strong warning. Because if the glory of God and the manifestation of the wonder and beauty of Christ, the beauty of our Father in heaven, has been hindered, it's been dulled because of our own sin. And there's a very strong caution here about this. Because we know that as Paul was dealing with the complex problems of sin in the Corinthian church, and how there, was thing, there were things going on that were worse than you could imagine. There was incest going on. There, was, there were things being tolerated in that church that should never be tolerated among a body of believers. And Paul had to say to them, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he said, if you are 
going into fornication, if you are joining yourselves to a harlot or involved in some other kind of immoral or any sinful situation, you are in essence bringing God into your sin. The the thought of it is shocking, and it should be to us. And so as we think about that tonight, is it not one of the greatest cautions and warnings in our lives about sinning and grieving the Spirit of God? Do we want, not want to say, Lord, I want my body, my life, my mind, my will, my heart, my all to be under the control of the Spirit of God? I want you to be working through me. I want you to be witnessing through me. But if we put up a hindrance and a block because of because of some sin. Paul said, grieve not the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. When he said that, Ephesians 4.30, the import is that the Spirit of God can be grieved. And how many times, friends, in our lives do we have to admit openly we have grieved the Spirit of God. And when that has happened and we are convicted of that in our own heart, we've tried maybe to stop or quell that feeling. We've tried to put it out of our mind and heart by thinking, oh, well, all is well. I'm still alive. I haven't been struck dead by a bolt of lightning. And we keep going on and try to hide it and put it down. We We cannot do that and prosper. You can't grieve the Spirit of God and then go to prayer. It just doesn't work. We can't grieve the Holy Spirit and then make a pretense of reading our Bibles and our devotions and think all is going to be well. There was a little bit of that. After David had numbered Israel and he sinned against the Lord, And without going into all the details of that account, God brought him to account for that sin. And he said, you have three options, of which David said he would choose three days of the plague of God. But my friends, it was not until the angel, the death angel, was hovering over Jerusalem about to do his work. And it came to the heart of David, the weight of his sin, the weight of his grieving of the Spirit of God. And it wasn't until then he cried out to the Lord, Oh, Father, have mercy. I am the one who has sinned. It should be laid upon me, upon my house, and not upon any other's. Sometimes the Lord delays until He gets our attention and brings the very point right to our hearts. And when that happens, uh, then we realize the grieving that we have done and the place of repentance, which is coming back to the cross, coming back to our standing in Christ, coming back to the only remedy for our sin. It's placing ourselves before the atoning blood of our Redeemer, and knowing that that blood speaks for us. It is speaking blood, and it speaks forgiveness. 
Paul warned the Roman Christians in chapter 6.13 that they were not to yield their members as instruments of unrighteousness. Sometimes people are puzzled over that verse because as he talks through chapter 6, he is dealing with the very practical side of Christian living. And sometimes people say, well, if we are forgiven our sin, if we are walking, living above transgression, how is it that we are to yield our members not to be unto unrighteousness, but to yield our members unto righteous and holy things? It almost seems like it's a work of man here going on and not the work of God. But don't ever think that and don't be confused or puzzled because the Lord works through our spirits. He works through our wills. And as we are submitting ourselves to the commands of God, He makes use of the Spirit operating through us. And so the convicting power of God is that we will not give over ourselves to these temptations that will come. And I have news for you, friends. They will never stop until we are taken home to glory. Because it's the devil's work to hinder our testimony and to stop us from progressing on in our Christian life. We're therefore encouraged to walk in the Spirit, to walk in the mind of the Spirit, to walk in the will of the Spirit, to walk in the way of the Spirit. And when we are engaged in these things, we will not yield our members as those instruments of unrighteousness. We will not yield and give over ourselves to the lust of the flesh, but we will walk to the honor and to the glory of King Jesus. We learn another thing here, and it's when the Lord moves in as He did at the temple dedication. All the priests had to get out and when God moves in human instrumentality, it must move out. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit throughout all of biblical history of showing signs and wonders and miracles, they have been relatively rare. We know in the life of our Lord, He did more miracles than anyone recorded in the Bible, and God allowed the prophets of the Old Testament to operate and do miracles. He allowed them to validate them and their message. And so when Christ came to earth to do great and wonderful works, many miracles that He did, that even those who were the worst skeptics had to say, this is nothing but the finger of God. And God was among them. But oftentimes when the Lord moved by the power of His Spirit, it was not with these supernatural signs. Now I know in the day of Pentecost when the Spirit had come down and they were speaking with other languages and they were showing forth all the people that had gathered at Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost. There were people from many nations. They were Jews. But they heard the apostles speaking in their own language. This was something that they had never heard before because they had not learned them in any academic setting. It was supernatural. But then we are told when Peter, he stood up to speak to them. 
And the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he communicated the message of God. But it wasn't ranting. It wasn't given in the sense that he was shouting necessarily. He was definitely projecting his voice to be heard by those gathered around. But the point is that when God's Spirit moves, it is not something that has to be seen by great wonders or by loud talking or by other manifestations. In fact, when God revealed Himself to Elijah, how did He do it? The still, small voice. And God does not need all the flamboyancy. And so if He intends to do a miracle, He does it not to be a show, but He does it to validate and authenticate His servants Paul, likewise, he was guided by the Spirit of God at Rome, and he was filled with that Spirit when he stood on the steps of the palace in Jerusalem. Don't forget, he had just been beaten by these same Jews, and they would have killed him had the Roman centurion not intervened. But Paul said to the centurion, can I speak to them? And so he's distant by a little ways. The soldiers are there. And Paul begins to communicate to them. And what does he say? He speaks to them about his testimony. He tells them about the commission he has received from God. He tells them about why he's there to do what he's doing. The Spirit of God was upon him, speaking through him. But he was communicating in intelligent language and so that they knew exactly what he was saying. And friends, when the Spirit empowers us for some service. It may be a personal witness. You're meeting someone, a neighbor and a friend. You need God's Spirit to speak through you, to enable you. And have you not seen and proved that? That a verse of Scripture will come to your mind and heart that you maybe have never even knew you knew or you had forgotten about it, but the Lord is speaking and working through you. And that's, that's His work. And therefore, we should pray every day that the Lord would come to take hold of us, that we will be empowered to walk each day and to serve Him and let the Spirit of God speak through us. And you know what has to happen? You and I have to get out of the way. and We have to let the Lord take over. But the flesh does not like that. The flesh resists that. Ah, but when we are yielding ourselves unto God, well, the Lord will come and He will work in us and work through us. Too often we can be an obstacle. We can obstruct the Spirit's working. May the Lord help us in our life, in our service, that we will confidently go forward and make ourselves available for His will. The final thought with you is this, that when the glory of the Holy Spirit shines through us, Jesus Christ will be magnified. And by extension, if Christ is magnified in us, then the Father will be glorified and the Spirit of God will have His 
rightful place. A couple of weeks ago in our Sunday morning service, as we were going through John 16, we mentioned and pointed out very clearly that Jesus referred to the Spirit of God as a person. Twelve times in just a few verses, He speaks about the Comforter, the Spirit of God, as He. So make no mistake about it, the Spirit of God is that blessed third person of the Trinity. It is the purpose of the Comforter to reveal the Lord Jesus to the world, to convict of sin and unrighteousness and of judgment to come, and specifically to believers, what does He do? He shows us more of Christ. He shows us more of the wonders of the Lord Jesus from the Word. And that's why, believers, when we are feasting with the Lord in His Word, in our own daily devotions, we need to pray, Lord, make the Savior more real to me. May I see more of the wonders and splendor of Christ Jesus. Because you will see more of Jesus in the Word than if He was standing in front of you. That's what Peter said. Peter said, we saw the Lord. We touched and handled Him. He was among us. We beheld His miracles. But he said, the Word of God and the written revelation, we will see more of Christ. We'll understand more of Him because the Holy Spirit reveals all the aspects of His character, all the beauty of who He is. Is the Spirit speaking to you, friend, through His Word, through your own devotions? If we want to be used in His service, then we must be Spirit-filled people to be His instrument, not to get in the way, but only to be used of the Father, to be used of the Spirit, because as we are His redeemed children, and we see ourselves in His hand and fulfilling His eternal purpose, then we will be as Daniel was, a man with a purpose, a man who lived his life on purpose. And whether you are 20 years old, or you are 50 years old, or you are 85 years old, it does not matter because God's Spirit continues to breathe and to work and to operate through us. Perhaps we should pray, as David did in Psalm 80, verse 3, Turn us again, O God, and cause Thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. And let the glory of Christ be seen through us. As we consider the manifestation of God to His people let us make our continual prayer that God would make use of the temple of our lives and the Lord alone would be seen and we would not take any of the glory to ourselves, but we would be made useful in the day of His power. May the Lord bless His Word to our hearts tonight. Let's close, please, in prayer.
Father, as we have thought tonight again on the glory and the beauty and the greatness of the Spirit, we know that He did not come to speak of Himself, but He came to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we are thankful tonight for that day and hour when we were made known to Christ and Him to us. And I pray that wherever we have failed, that there would be a making up, that we would know the abundance of the Spirit's moving in our lives. Please, Lord, come upon us with power. We, we often pray for that reviving. We're not asking for anything that's going to be outlandish, Lord, or anything that we would take to ourselves. But we know that the moving of the Spirit of God in our gathering will be seen by the love that we have one to another in our fellowship. For by this shall all men know that we are your disciples if we love one another. And I pray, Lord, that that will not be superficial, but right to the heart. Ah, Lord, have your way. Have thine own way in our lives. Bless us now tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close this part of the service, please, with number 193, hymn 193, and uh, we will stand to sing, and then after we uh, sing this hymn, uh, just remain seated again for a short time.
You know, we as a congregation have suffered a lot of bereavement of people, and some more recent than others, but uh, I look back to the loss of my own dad back in 2011, and today, September the 18th, is that very anniversary. Well, a few weeks ago, I was speaking to our sister Norma Wilson, and Norma was reflecting on the loss of her own husband, Jim, and saying how that each day, well, it's a day with tears because of the love and the loss and thinking about that. And it was Norma who reminded me that in a couple of weeks' time, this would be on the very day. So she was thinking about that, and she asked if I would sing the Lord's Prayer. For those of you who are not part of our congregation, well, my dad, when he was here, had a ministry in song, and he would sing at different times, and this was song he would oftentimes sing in a church or some other setting where he was. And so, as all of us have, some time or another, lost loved ones, well, we reflect on the the goodness of God to us. We reflect on the presence of the Lord and of his Spirit ministering to us. For the Savior is one that stands in the shadow, and he comes near to comfort and gives the, the oil of joy for mourning. And we know that the Lord's Prayer, as Christ gave that to his disciples, was a very special prayer, and I trust that the Lord would uh, bless that to you now. <clears throat> Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy the power and the glory 